Welcome to Wizard Studies. Join us as we peruse all things Potter. Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we will be talking about the inferior wizarding school <laughs> that we know the most about. Silvermorny. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Ilvermorny is the... Uh, wizarding school in the United States, the North American Wizarding School, and I thought we could just open with our thoughts on Ilvermorny a little bit. For sure. Um, would you do you want to go first, Katie? Sure. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't have a whole lot of opinions on it. I don't know. Like, it's weird that we have so much information, and it like came at a weird time. Like, I guess that people are like anticipating it being relevant to the Fantastic Beast, but like, it doesn't really seem like it's going to be, other than the fact because we already had the U.S. one. Yeah, and like the people, like they're adults in the movies. It's like we're not going to go back to Ilvermorny. I don't think. I don't know. It just seems kind of odd. And, like, we know so much about the backstory of Ilvermorny, but, like, we know nothing about, like, the actual school, I feel like. Like, we know the houses, but they're very, like, vague in what their meanings are. Yeah, I don't get the meanings. Yeah, it's just, it's it's very interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, feel, I guess I feel the same way, to be honest. I think I had read this, like, writing on it which we're taking pretty much all the information from um I think I had read that like once before and I didn't even really remember reading it and then I read it again for this um it's kind of like this is not if we're going for more content this is not really the content I that like I think a lot of people would ask for yeah um I'm not a huge fan of Ilvermorny I also think there's some serious problematic things, which I will talk about later, but it, yeah, I mean, not to start this episode pessimistically. <laughs> I mean, like, the story is really interesting, and it's, like, a very elaborate story. Um, like, we know yeah, more about... Yeah, and it's written, like, totally like J.K. writes. So, oh, you know. for sure, yeah. Like, we know more about the backstory of Ilvermorny than, like, Hogwarts, to be honest. Yeah, like yeah, all we because Hogwarts like is we like never got a writing. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, so Ilvermorny, the full name of the school is the Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Yep, and it's located in on Mount the top of Mount Greylock in Massachusetts, U.S. of A, <laughs> and <laughs> it's concealed by a variety of magical enchantments which sometimes appear as, like, a misty cloud just around the castle. Um, the school colors are blue and cranberry, and there are meanings behind both of those. So, um, Isolt Sayer and James... I forget his last name. 
Um, so like <laughs> Stewart, is it Stewart? Yeah, yeah. So they're like kind of like the two founders of Ilvermorny. I'd say Assault more than James. Um, but Assault chose Blue because she wanted to be in Ravenclaw as a child, and James chose Cranberry because he loves cranberry pie. So that's where the <laughs> colors come from. And then their crest um, says Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, and then has each of the four mascots on the crest it's like i don't know the crest is kind of a lot like it's very detailed it's not very simple yeah so i think this is gonna maybe come to light more later where it looks like it kind of looks like the gordian knot thing yeah um it looks like and it kind of looks celtic which is Air was from ireland mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the mascots are very detailed. Yes. More so than the, um, Hogwarts mascots. Yeah, for sure. On that crest. Yeah. Okay, so now we're gonna go through kind of just the history of the founding of the school and the founders themselves. Um, basically just everything we know about Ilvermorny. So starting with Isolt Sayer. Um, she was one of the founders of Ilvermorny, kind of the predominant founder. Um, she was born in 1603 in Cumlugra, County Kerry. <laughs> so that is a place in Ireland. <laughs> I apologize. We all know that I can't pronounce Scottish or Irish things mm-hmm. if you've listened to our Quidditch episode. episode yeah. <laughs> um, so... Isoltzer was the offspring of two pure-blood wizarding families. Her father was William Sayer, and he was a direct descendant of the famous Irish witch Morrigan. M-O-R-I-R-R-I-G-A-N, Morrigan. Um, So Morrigan was apparently famous and well-respected Irish witch, and she had an animagus form of a crow. Which I think is a pretty cool animagus form to have just because yeah, you could fly. For sure. Excuse my raspy voice today. <laughs> so William called Isolt Morgan because she loved natural things as a child. I don't really get why that makes her Morgan, but <laughs> Katie's shaking her head. <laughs> um, and her parents were like very kind people, and they would help their muggle neighbors with things, like, even though this was in a very dangerous time for uh, magical people interacting with muggles, they were just kind of, like, kind-hearted people that would help out their muggle neighbors without them knowing, really, that they were magical. But when Isolt was five, her family home was attacked and both of her parents died. Mm. She was rescued, rescued in quotes, um, by her mom's estranged sister, Gormlaith Gaunt, and there we go, familiar name there, Gaunt. Mm-hmm. Um, Gormlaith took her, also I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but Auntie Gaunt um, took her to a nearby town and raised her there, and Isolt learned as she grew up that Gormlaith Gaunt actually had murdered her parents and kidnapped her because she feared that her muggle-loving parents were sending Isolt down the wrong path. So, Gormlith was basically the worst. 
Um, she was very cruel to muggles and animals. She would just kind of torture them. And villagers would avoid the home. They learned to avoid the home. And Isolt was, as a result, totally isolated. So this kind of went on for her childhood. And then when she received her letter to attend Hogwarts at age 11, Gormleth banned her from attending Hogwarts because she thought it was full of mudbloods. And she herself had attended. She herself had attended. So she basically just complained that Slytherin had not been listened to and fantasized about Hogwarts as a result. Um, So we know, of course, that the Gaunts are descendants of Slytherin. So this is kind of where Gormleth is probably getting her prejudices. So Isolt was kept by Gormleth and actually, like, kept in the house by dark magic for 12 years. So I think she went there when she was five. So then by the time she was 17, she finally had um, built built up enough strength and nerve, and she stole her aunt's wand and fled. She The only other thing that she took was the Gordian knot that was her mother's. And she first fled to England, and then she was afraid that even that wouldn't be far enough. So she cut her hair and disguised herself as a muggle boy named Elias Story to avoid her aunt, and then sailed to the New World on the Mayflower in 1620. So there we go, some some real Puritan history there. Um, When Isolt arrived in the New World, in the Americas, she disappeared into the mountains because she was, A, still afraid of her aunt finding out where she was and following her, and B, um, feared what would happen if the Puritans found out she was a witch. So she knew that it was not a safe place for her to be in this Puritan uh, community, and she, she fled into the mountains just off on her own. So when Isil got to the woods, um, she came across two creatures, and one was a hide-behind, and the other was a puck wedgie. And the hide-behind was attacking the puck wedgie, and she saved the puck wedgie from the hide-behind and brought it back to her shelter to nurse him back to health. The puck wedgie declared itself indebted to her, and he would follow her around because he felt like he had to repay her. And so kind of like accidentally they formed a bond this way. And she named him William because the puck wedgie refused to give her her his real name. But she named him William after her father. I also think it's just kind of weird that like we never learn her mother's name. But like her father's name gets like passed on and stuff. Yeah. So just a little bit about those creatures. Um, the hide behind sounds pretty like sinister um it's a nocturnal forest dwelling specter that preys on humanoid creatures and it can contort itself to hide behind almost any object that's where the name hide behind comes from so it is um easily concealed from hunters and victims and while its existence has been suspected by nomadges um nomadges really are no match for it and only a witch or wizard could even possibly survive an attack by a hide behind. The puck wedgie, on the other hand, um, it's also native to America, and 
It's a short, gray-faced, large-eared creature that's distantly related to the European goblin. So Pukwudgies are supposed to be fiercely independent and tricky and not over-fond of humankind, and they possess their own very powerful magic. They hunt with deadly poisonous arrows, and they like to play tricks on humans. Um, the Pukwudgie is something that I will talk about well, it's throughout the story, but I will talk about Pukwudgies later, too, because they are um, part of Native American folklore, and there's a lot of controversy over JK just adopting them for her own use in this story. So, William, the Pukwudgie that Isol uh, formed bond with, introduced her to Native creatures around the area, and she became most fascinated with the horned serpent, which she she said she could understand. And this is a hint to Isolt being able to, if not speak, being able to understand parcel tongue because she is a descendant of Slytherin. So her, William, the Pukwudgie, was afraid of the serpent, the horned serpent. So she would go and visit it without, um, without him. And it the horn serpent would tell her, until I am part of your family, your family is doomed. And she never knew what that meant until later in the story. True, true. So this next section is a little bit, it like continues off from the same story, but it focuses a little bit more on um, these two boys, Chadwick and Webster Boot. So one day while walking in the woods, Isol and William um, heard a shout. So they went to investigate, and it turned out that there was um, that same hide behind that had attacked William before, had already killed two adults and left two children seriously injured. And this part is like super gruesome in this story. They were like, the hide behind was like disemboweling, emboweling yeah. the like the two parents. Um, while they were waiting to kill the two children. So Isolt um, and William destroyed the hide behind. That was like the wording they used. I was like, okay, interesting. <laughs> um, and Isolt was like super insistent that they would take the two boys home and like save them and nurse them back to health. And William was like, no, like they're too far gone. Like don't even bother. And this like really upset Isolt. And so she was like, fine, like your debt to me can be over if you just carry this boy back to our house or wherever they were staying at the time. So Isolt carried the younger one, which I believe is Webster. And then William carried Chadwick. Um, they did both survive, um, and they assault also learned that both of the boys were magical. So she, like, brewed potions for them and helped them out. And, like, William left as soon as he brought the boys back because Assault was, like, really upset with how callous he was being and how he was unwilling to help the two boys. So she learned that their parents had brought them to America for an adventure and they had mistaken the hide behind for a simple bug art. So the dad had tried to ridicule it, like ridiculous. And it did not take well to that um, <laughs> and killed them. So she stayed, She had to stay in the house at the, while the boys were recovering. But as soon as they were well enough for her to leave them alone, she went back to the forest to bury the bodies of their parents. But when she got there, she was surprised to find a man, James Stewart, he had already come back. Um, he was a fa- like a friend of the family. They had come over on the same boat from the United like United Kingdom, 
And he had gone looking for these two parents when he realized that they were gone and the two kids. And he found their bodies and he buried them. Um, he found their wands as well. So he like picked them up, just like inspecting it. And he waved one and it's like, it said something along the lines of like, like all wands do when waved by a muggle or nomad, like it rebelled. Um, so it like threw him, he went flying backwards. He hit his head and like passed out. So Isolt took another, um, hurt man into her home (laughs) she took James back with her to like nurse him back to health but by doing this she was unable to hide her magic from him because she was like still brewing potions for the two boys and like she was helping him using magic so she kept saying that like she intended to obliviate him once his concussion once he had recovered from his concussion um, and she was going to send him back to the colony but while he was recovering James and Issel became really close I just want to point out that Isolt has, like, never been trained in magic, yet she was planning on obliviating a human, which, like, could go terribly wrong. <laughs> you are true about that. We've seen it go terribly wrong before. Yeah. Anyway, Dang. continue. <laughs> yeah, so Isolt and James became very close, and every day she would be like, oh, I'm going to obliviate him tomorrow. Like, I'm going to That's what they always tomorrow. say. Yeah. And she never did. And there's a line in here, and it was like, um, oh, hold on. He became, like, as they became closer, he also became less afraid of the magic. And they eventually just thought it would be easier to admit that they were in love and get married. I'm like, okay. Naturally. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's marriage the works. next step. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think it actually ever says whether they get married, but I think it's assumed. I think that's what that line implies. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, so they basically, like, adopted Chadwick and Webster because they were both pretty young at this point. Like, I want to say, like, five and six-ish around there. So yeah, I it's think all, so. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I like, because um, they talk about when the boys turn 11, and it's, like, not for a little bit, so... Um, Isolt told the boys all the stories she knew about Hogwarts and they really wanted to go back to Ireland because they wanted to attend the school. But obviously Isolt couldn't go back because of extenuating circumstances with her crazy family. So Isolt promised that when they were 11, the two boys, she would make wands for them and she would teach them magic. And that they would, she would kind of like run her own school. So the boys insisted that the school have four houses, just like Hogwarts, and they all got to choose a house and name it. So James, Isolt, Webster, and Chadwick all got to name a house. And I think it was like Webster. Um, they decided very quickly that they couldn't name them after themselves because Webster Boot would never win anything. Like, House Webster Boot would never win anything or something. I thought that was funny. So they decided to name them after each of their favorite magical creatures. So Chadwick named his Thunderbird. Webster named his Wampus. Isolt named hers Horned Serpent. And James named his Puckwudgie because Isolt had told James about her stories with the curmudgeonly William, and he thought that they were like really entertaining. So, well, our James named it Puckwudgie after William. 
Um, this is kind of wrapping up this next section. So on a night close to Chadwick's 11th birthday, Isolt had been like really stressing out because she was like, I don't even know how to make a wand. Like we have like the only cores I know are like dragon heart string, unicorn hair and Phoenix feather. And like, I don't have any of those here. And she like talked about how she didn't want to, um, like dissect the one that she had. Cause like she wanted it to work. She didn't want to like ruin that one. So um, she has a dream and the dream shows her walking down to the creek. The horn serpent like picks its head up and like bows its head. She like shaves a part of its horn off like a little sliver and she uses a wand. She uses that as a wand core. So as soon as she woke up, she did just as she had seen herself do in the dream. She walks down to the creek. The horn serpent picks its head up and then bows it down. She shaves off a piece of its horn and her and James like carve this beautiful wand for Chadwick. Yeah. And James is like apparently able to be a wand maker even though he's a nomad. Yeah. A struggle. Like, well, I think, I think James probably just like carved the wand. You yeah. Know? It seems very, like, fortuitous that they were just, like, able to make a wand on the first try. Yeah, also, like, is there no other magic that goes into making a wand? Like, all you need is, like, some wood and a core, and then you're good? Right, because then it's, like, why... Can I not just wave a feather around then at that point, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, like, I is would the like wood to necessary? learn more about, like, why, like, why is Ollivander so good? I think it's because he, like, picks, like... He, like, picks the right trees and stuff. Yeah. But, like, how did they know to get, like, a, like, what tree did they get the wood from? You know, like. Oh, I th- it, like, says it. I think it's, like, an ash tree, maybe. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. It just seems like, I don't know. It seems like we're, like, led to believe that so much goes into Ollivander making a wand, right? Like, it's this art and, like, it, you have to, like, you make it and it suits a wizard and all this stuff and. I guess, like, the horn serpent part is kind of, like, this, it seems like kind of prophecy, right? Like, yeah. until I'm part of your family, your family is doomed. But yeah, it's just very, like, it just all all seems to happen really nicely. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's a finely carved wand of prickly ash enclosing the horn of the serpent. Yes. Isolt and James had succeeded in creating a wand of exceptional power. Wow. All right. So then on to the founding of Ilvermorny School. So basically, Isol began to teach um, Chadwick uh, because he was 11. And then when Webster turned 11, by that time, the reputation of the homeschool had really spread. So people from the European colonies and nearby Native American tribes all had, like, heard and came to learn about wand work and magic, and they came to, like, everybody was just kind of coming together to exchange what they knew of magic. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, like, the first organized school. And Isolt and James would make wands for everyone who attended. But Isolt just had a feeling that she should not use the horn serpent cores for anyone else. Um, she thought it was, like, special to the boot boys, her, like, adoptive sons, and she just had a feeling that she shouldn't do that. So she found other cores to use. Um, wampus hair, 
Snallygaster Heartstring and Jackalope Antlers. This is kind of weird because like Jackalope Antlers, Antlers, sorry, um, are like Jackalopes aren't magical. Yeah, they're just like a normal animal. Unless like maybe they are magical and we don't know, but like. Yeah, like maybe there's like folklore around them or something. Yeah, but, like, the other long cores that we know about, like, Phoenix, Unicorn, and Dragon, like, are all things that are, like, obviously magical. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. So there were many students um, that had come, and they were able to have the inter-house competitions that I think it was Webster had so dreamed of. But there were no borders. It was still just the house for the family that lived there, and then people would come, like, for the day. Um, the only people who actually lived in the house, like I said, were Isolt, James, Webster, Chadwick, and then we learned that Isolt and James had two twin girls of their own, so they also, of course, lived in the house, and they named those girls Martha, after James's mother, and I'm gonna butcher butcher this, Mm. Rionic, Ronic, which is, we finally learned, Isolt's mother's name, so she was the gaunt, so is Rionic gaunt. Um, it's R-I-O-N-A-C-H. If we have any listeners in Ireland who mm. want to help me pronounce that, send me, a, send me an audio recording. <laughs> I would love to know. It's like, That's like, I finally learned how to say Saoirse Ronan. Like, oh, yep. Saw that like SNL skit of her being like, oh, it rhymes yeah. with inertia. And now I'm like, yeah. Once I saw that, I was good. I need I need a yeah. similar way to learn how to say this name. That was her opening monologue. That was good. Yeah. Imagine, like, being a twin and, like, your name is something like Martha. And then your twin's name is, like, Rionach or whatever. Like, that's so odd. And your brothers are Webster and Chadwick. Yeah. It's, I'm like... It's really something. Yeah. But we will learn more about Martha and... Bryonic later and they kind of live up to their names okay so this next section um again continues right where the last one ended (laughs) so uh at this point like news of this school and like word of this school had kind of spread back into the united kingdom so gormlaith gaunt the woman from before she heard of news of this wizarding school in America named Ilvermorny um, by this woman or by... Like, it, this part kind of confused me. Like, I couldn't tell whether saying the school had the nickname of Morrigan or the witch had the nickname The witch, of I think. Okay, the witch did, yeah. So it says the headmistress had the nickname of Morrigan and the school was named Ilvermorny and she was like, I know who that is. So, like, she knew that that was Isolt because um, Ilvermorny was the name of the house that Isolt was born in, and Morrigan, obviously, was, like, her nickname from her father. So, after learning that uh, not only was Isolt in America, but she had married a muggle and was teaching anyone with a shred of magic in them magic. Sorry, that was kind of a confusing sentence. Um, (laughs) She was teaching anybody magic as long as they had just the littlest shred of magic in them. She didn't think that was right. So she traveled to America disguised as a man through Virginia and then up to Massachusetts. 
As soon as she could see over morning, she like whispered a curse and James and Isolt fell into a deep sleep. And then she also spoke in parcel tongue to like turn off Isolt's wand because she knew that it was um, Salazar Slytherin's wand and had the basilisk horn as the uh, core of it. So she like whispered this word in parcel tongue and the wand became useless. And she knew how to do this because it was her wand before. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So she like starts walking up, but as she whispered that in parcel tongue, it actually woke up Chadwick and Webster's wands because they have the horn of a serpent as well as their core, like as well um, for their core. So the wands started like playing this music. And so the the boys both woke up and they saw this witch marching up their driveway and they're like, oh shit, like we know who that is. Um, so Isolt had never told them about Gormlaith, but like, there's a line that's like, as most children do, they know more than their parents want them to or whatever. So they had like heard Isolt talking about like this woman who she was afraid of to James before. And so they're like, oh, that's who it is. I really like this visual that you've created for me of (laughs) this evil witch marching up the driveway. (laughs) That's what they say. There, she, um, I don't think like, there's a driveway. Well, whatever. The the up to their house. Um, <laughs> so Chadwick, who's the older one, was like, "Webster, you go wake up mom and dad. Like I can do this all by myself." So he decides to go outside. Granted, like this boy cannot be like much older than eleven at this point. I think he's supposed to be like fourteen. Yeah, like, young. And this is, like, a full-blown, like, trained witch. So but he goes wouldn't out Harry there. do this? That is correct. But Chadwick is not Harry. <laughs> and we don't know about this woman. Like, Voldemort was severely incompetent. <laughs> um, but just like Harry, Chadwick did have some help from his wand because the wand was, like, being extra powerful against... Um, Gormley's wand and she was like oh man like this boy can duel she was like Isol did a really good job training him up but like she still doesn't kill him which I think is kind of preposterous like I guess it's for the story yeah. um, but anyway so Webster is like unable to wake up his parents he like keeps on trying but they just won't wake up So Webster goes out to fight, and so it's two against one, and, like, both of their wands are, like, really giving it all they got, but Gormley still makes it into the house, and there's, like, this really loud crash, and so the twin girls wake up, and they start crying, and then this, the cry of the two girls, is what wakes up Isol and James. Again, just a reminder that love (laughs) magic is the most powerful magic of all, um... Yeah, can you see the similarities? Especially here? a mother's love. True that. And True you know who that. always overlooks that type of magic? Someone descended the from villains. the gods. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, so 
even though this like was kind of this I found funny because like they do all of this like the parents finally wake up and you're like oh yes the boys are saved except that like Isolt's wand doesn't work and James is a <laughs> James is a muggle so James just decides to like stand in front of the crib at this point Gormleith is like in the room with the girls like everybody's in this one room and Isolt is like standing behind I think and James is just like in front of the crib like ready to die kind of like a lily thing um, but as this happens, Isol like starts to cry and she yells out William just like in her moment of panic or whatever pain she yells out for her dead father. But William the puck wedgie shows up. He like jumps on the windowsill, shoots an arrow straight through Gormley's heart. And as mentioned before, he shoots poison arrows and so... It was, this was, a, here, I'm just going to read this part from the thing because I didn't really understand this. Okay. A great clatter sounded and the moonlight was blocked from the room as William the Pugwedgie appeared on the windowsill. Before Gormleith knew what had happened, a poison arrow tip had pierced her through her heart. She let out an unearthly scream that was heard for miles around. The old witch had indulged in all manner of dark magic in an attempt to make herself invincible. And these curses now reacted with the Pugwedgie venom, causing her to become as solid and as brittle as coal before shattering into a thousand pieces. The Ollivander wand fell on the ground and burst. All that was left of Gormleith Gaunt was a pile of smoking dust, a broken stick, and a charred dragon heartstring. Mm. So, I don't know what she did to try and become invincible, but it doesn't sound like it was Horcruxes because she wouldn't have died then. Maybe she tried to make Horcruxes and she wasn't very good at it. Yeah, something like that. But it also didn't say, like, immortal. It said invincible. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I feel like it might have been something to, like, try and make her stronger or, like, impervious to spells. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'd like to know what that is. So Gormleith is dead. Yeah. Gormleith is dead, and the Pukwudgie is, like... William is like, I can't believe you didn't say my name for... What did... How many... A decade... Um, and then it, there's like a line that like Isolt was tactful enough not to mention that she wasn't actually yelling out for William. She was yelling out after a dead father. Um, but then James is like fanboying over William. He's like, I'm so excited to meet you. Like, I care all about you. I named my like house at Overmorning after you. And William, like Pukwudgies are like famous for really not liking humans. But there is a line that says like this, um... Learning that James had named a house after him was, like, one moment where he, like, warmed up to a human kind of thing. And, oh, yeah, it's, a, it's widely believed that this was the piece of flattery that softened William's heart. And after this, he moved in at Ilvermorny and became, like, the permanent security guard. He did negotiate a very good pay of <laughs> gold, though. So he's... Just for all you Hermione's out there, he wasn't unpaid labor. He was paid in gold, which I'm doing unpaid labor this semester, and I feel like I should be paid in gold. <laughs> um, anyways, Isolt chose to never try and fix her wand or use it again, and she buried it outside of the school. Years later, where the wand was buried, a tree sprouted of an unknown species of snakewood, um, the tree 
could not be removed. It could not be pruned. Um, they tried really hard to like get rid of it, but in a moment of serendipity, the tree actually had leaves that possessed uh, medicinal properties. And then there's this quote that I just really liked, and it said, This tree seemed a testament to the fact that Slytherin's wand, like his scattered descendants, encompassed both noble and ignoble. The very best of him seemed to have migrated to America. So I think that's like a really good, um, I don't know, like I think this story does a lot to kind of like redeem Slytherins. Like Isolt descends from like Salazar Slytherin, and like she founded this like, great wizarding school in the United States and I think like this last sentence is just like really like a good summation of all of that like yes they're yeah. good yes there are bad people in Slytherin but like you have to appreciate kind of like have to appreciate both kind of thing like they come together you can't have the good without the bad you can't have the bad without the good so yeah, yeah. I like that I too that. like especially like we learned, like her mother was supposed to be this like great person and she was gone mm-hmm. and it's kind of like yeah. okay well like the good descendant of the gaunt family ended up in america and then you get like the gaunt family that we know through the potter stories is living on in britain and like resulting in one of the worst dark wizards of all time so yeah the school grew um and its reputation grew and the granite house that they had been operating out of was expanded into a castle and to house all of the boarding students that were coming from all over North America. So we learned that Isolt and James were headmistress and headmaster for many, many years, and both lived to be over 100, which mm-hmm. James, living to be over 100 <laughs> in, like, the 1600s as a muggle is mind-blowing but I guess he had access to like wizarding help like potions and stuff yeah I don't know it kind of sounds like James kind of just lives the life because like honestly like he carves the wands but like you don't really like have to do much if everyone in your family is magical and like you can just be like well instead of me doing these chores you could just do them with a wave of the wand (laughs) true I don't know I I would take James's life Oh, yeah. So then we learn about the children. Chadwick became an accomplished wizard. Um, He wrote a few textbooks. They were Chadwick's Charms, volumes Mm -hmm. one through seven. And then he married a Mexican healer, um, Josefina Calderon. And we learned that, like, the Calderon Boot family is still well-respected and well-known throughout the Americas. Webster... Um, became kind of like an aurer for hire. They didn't have aurors in those days. I think this is still be- before Makusa was founded. He's kind of like a Pinkerton detective. Yeah, yeah. And when he... So, like, he just kind of, like, sought out dark wizards. And when he was returning one dark wizard um, to London, he met a Scottish Scottish witch at the Ministry of Magic and immediately fell in love. So <laughs> love is so easy in these in these stories. Honestly. So he moved to Scotland and we learned then that his descendants would eventually or would go to Hogwarts, which is a little nod to Terry Boot, 
I assume. Um, it's yeah. never been confirmed, but I think that's what we're led to believe, that Terry Boot, who is a Ravenclaw um, in Dumbledore's army, is he Harry's year or is he Ginny's year? Oof, or I can older? never remember. I don't, I don't know. think he's older. Oh, he's he's in Harry's year. Okay. Yeah, he's friends with um, Michael Corner and Anthony Goldstein, which is kind of interesting that now like Ravenclaw ends up being the like house with all the descendants of the the people that we're learning about now, like the Goldsteins. Yeah. Also, it's kind of cool that he ends up in Ravenclaw because that's where Isolt, the house that Isolt wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. So Martha, um, the first twin or one of the twins, ended up being a squib, and she's the one that was named after the Muggle grandmother. So that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, she found it very hard to grow up at Ilvermorny with all of her magical siblings and stuff, and all those kids around her. So she decided to leave the magical world, and she married a nomad from. A Native American tribe, the Pocomtuck tribe. And then the other twin, Rionek, <laughs> um, taught defense against the dark arts at Ilvermorny for many years. And it's said that she never married or had kids or anything because she was rumored to be a parcel tongue or parcel mouth. And she did not want to pass on the Slytherin ancestry because she had heard the stories of her evil aunt. And she thought that, like, she wanted to dedicate her life to, like, defense against the dark arts. And um, she didn't want to, like, pass on that ancestry, even though, like, I don't know, like, if she's a good person, she could raise the child to be a good person. Um, and then there's a little line about how, like, the none of them knew how like this ancestry was still the gaunt family was still living on in england so it's a little bit of like eerie foreshadowing that like they chose kind of the good in the u.s and then the bad side is still living on across the pond yeah so i'm going to talk a little bit about the houses um we don't know too too much about them um so I'll just go through them. So Thunderbird, which is what I am. Um, That's what I am too, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're both Thunderbirds. So um, sometimes considered to represent the soul of a witch or wizard is also said that Thunderbirds favor adventurers. So that's pretty much all we know about that. But Chadwick... Um, Chadwick was the one who chose Thunderbird, so here's a quote. It says, For Chadwick, an intelligent but often temperamental boy, it was the Thunderbird that can create storms as it flies. Um, so that's why Chadwick chose Thunderbird as his house. Um, yeah. Oh, and before I keep going, just each of the houses, like, represent a part of, a, like, a person. So, like, like uh, the Thunderbird was the soul, the Pukwudgie is the heart, and so on and so forth, so... Yeah, it's, like, supposed to be that together they, like, create a whole person. Which I don't, yeah. like, I don't really get what it means, like, represents the soul of the Witcher Wizard. That's why I've never yeah. really, like, identified, like, I think Thunderbird seems cool, but, yeah. like, I never really identified it because I don't really know what that mean, <laughs> what that means. Oh, yeah, like, the only thing you can do is, like, ro- run with is, like, Thunderbird favors adventurers. Yeah. Um, do you want me to read the... Thing from yeah, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, I have the, the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find the book here. And Thunderbirds are a Ministry of Magic classification four X's, which I think is the, the most dangerous is five X's. Um, so the Thunderbird is unique so. to North America and is found most plentifully in Arizona. Taller than a man when full grown, it has the power to create storms as it flies. The Thunderbird is so sensitive to supernatural danger that wands created with its feathers have been known to fire curses preemptively. And then it just says that one of the houses is named after it. And the Thunderbird we see in the movie Fantastic Beast, that's like kind of the whole like, it's like kind of the ruse under which Dumbledore sends Newt to the U.S. America. to return yeah. the Thunderbird. What is its name? Like Fred or something? Oh, Ralph? Yeah, it's something like super oh, God, ordinary. Frank. Mm, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. So next is the Pukwudgie. Um, so this is considered to represent the heart of a witch or wizard. It is also said that Pukwudgie favors healers. Um, so this is a quote about James picking Pukwudgie. When asked what his favorite creature was, James is at a loss. The only nomad in the family was unable to consort with the magical creatures the others had begun to know well. Finally, he named the Pukwudgie because the stories his wife told of the curmudgeon William always made him laugh. Yep. And, and Pukwudgie is not, not in Fantastic yeah. Beasts. Okay, next is Wampus. Uh, this, is this is considered to represent the body of a witch or wizard. It is also said that Wampus favors warriors. So for argumentative but fiercely loyal Webster, it was the Wampus, a magical panther-like creature that was fast, strong, and almost impossible to kill. I don't get this one because it's like everything else is like the heart, the soul, the mind, and then it's like the warrior. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, it's the body. Sorry, it's the body. It's, yeah, no, it's the body. Um, so Wampus is in Fantastic Beasts. They're a uh, Ministry of Magic classification 5Xs, so the Ooh. most dangerous. <clears throat> uh, somewhat resembling the mundane mountain lion or cougar in size and appearance, the Wampus cat is native to Appalachia. It can walk on its hind legs, outrun arrows, and its yellow eyes are reputed to have the power of both hypnosis and legitimacy. The Cherokee have most extensively studied the wampus cat, with whom they share their native region, and only they have ever succeeded in procur procuring wampus cat hair for use as a wall and core. In 1832, wizard Abel Treetops of Cincinnati claimed to have patented a method of taming wampus cats for use as guards over wizarding houses. Treetops was exposed as a fraud when Makuza raided his home and found him putting engorgement charms on Neasles, one of the houses of the North American Wizarding School is named after the Wampus Cat. So yeah, that's pretty cool. The last house is the Horned Serpent, and they're considered to represent the mind of a witch or wizard. So like kind of going off of like the thing that Isolt wanted to be in Ravenclaw. So it can be similar to the Horned Serpent. And it's... Oh, sorry. It's said that they favor scholars. So for Isol, it was, of course, the horn serpent that she still visited and with which she felt a stri strange kinship. Sorry, I have the hiccups now. 
Um, <clears throat> so she named after the horned serpent because, like, that was her favorite animal. And obviously, like it said, that she had a kinship with it. It's never made super clear, but I think it's supposed to be implied that Isolt was a parcel mouth. Yeah. But, like, she doesn't really understand what that means. It kind of seems like she couldn't actually, like, speak it maybe because she never, like, attempted to. Yeah, but she could definitely understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the Horned Serpent is also in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, And it is also a 5X classification. Several species of the Horned Serpent, of Horned Serpents, exist globally. Large specimens have been caught in the Far East, while ancient bestiaries suggest that they were once native to Western Europe, where they have been hunted to extinction by wizards in search of potion ingredients. The largest and most diverse group of horned serpents still in existence is to be found in North America, of which the most famous and highly prized has a jewel in its forehead, which is reputed to give the power of invisibility and flight. A legend is, exists concerning the founder of Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, Isolt Sayer, and a horned serpent. She was reputed to be able to understand the serpent, which offered her shavings from its horn as the core of the first ever American-made wand. And, of course, it gives one of its its name to one of the houses at Ilvermorny. Yeah, I think, I think the horned serpent thing is kind of cool, especially, like, the parallels of Slytherin associating with the basilisk and then Isolt associating with the horned serpent. Mm-hmm. And then, so sorting at Ilvermorny is done differently than sorting at Hogwarts. So what they do is, like, kind of, like, enter this room, and there's a big statue. There's four big statues, one of each of the like mascots of the four houses and so you go in and you stand there in the middle and um the statues will like move forward if they want to claim you as part of their house and if more than one statue uh move forward you get to pick which one you want to be in so like it's kind of like the sorting hat in that way because we do know that like people do have say over where they want to go and I believe that there's only been like a few times that all four have chosen a student and yeah. Pickery, Serafina Pickery, um, the president of Makuza that we see in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is one of those people. So she, all four house mascots chose her. I want to say she chose to be in Horned Serpent. Yeah, she did. Okay. I but like I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. I think that's really cool. It kind of reminds me of, like, the voice, you know, like, turn around for you. I like the way they, like, present themselves, too. Like, it's yeah. indicative of the, like, nature of the houses, as far as I understand understand mm-hmm. it. Like, the horned serpent, the crystal lights up, which it's in its head, so that's kind of, like, the mind. Yeah. The wampus roars, which, like, kind of makes sense with a warrior. The thunderbird, mm-hmm. um like, beats its wings, and the Pukwudgie raises its arrow. Um, yeah, it says Serafina Pickery was the only in her generation to have all four. Yeah. And then just wrapping up, like, other things that we learn about Ilvermorny today, um, it's, like, said to be, like, kind of the least elitist of the schools, kind of because it was founded by a no- one of them was a nomad. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't get their wands until after the sorting ceremony. Yep. Um, oh, and then uh, Pukwudgies still, like, work at the school today. And there's one really aged Pukwudgie that answers to the name of William. 
And he, like, whenever anybody suggests that he's the original William, he just laughs and is like, well, that William will be over 300 years old, but no one knows how long Pukwudgies live. And this Pukwudgie also um, doesn't let anybody else polish the marble statue of Isol at the entrance of the school. And every year on the anniversary of her death, he lays Mayflowers on her tomb. I'm going to cry. I know. It's so sweet. It's really cute. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine doing, like, this sorting ceremony and you're just standing there and, like, nothing happens for the longest time? That's, like, worse. That's worse than the hat because, like, nobody can, like, hear what the hat is, like, doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, the hat could be, like, like, contemplating between all four. Like, it could be a good thing. Like, I feel like it's usually a good thing when the hat is... Like, takes a while. Takes a while because it means you have all these good treats. But if you just stand there and, like, nobody does anything. The entire school is watching. (laughs) I, like, I don't know if that, like, really ever happens. Like, it might be pretty quick, just kind of, like, the sorting hat. But, like, just everybody can see it. And, like, if you – because, like, again, with the hat, like, if – like, Harry didn't tell anybody, really, that, like, the hat was designed between Gryffindor and Slytherin. Like, he didn't want people to know that. Yeah. like, if – like, I don't know. It's, like, so, like, public. Also, like, an 11-year-old choosing a house. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I know the story hat, like, takes into account your choice, but I don't know. It's interesting, like, giving the yeah. 11-year-old that choice. And, like, what if you're, like, a nomad born? Is that what they're called? Nomad <laughs> borns? Those are, that, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> and, like, you don't know, and you just are, like, what? <laughs> What's yeah, the difference that's between them? Um, like... <laughs> Like, what is a wampus? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah, that is <laughs> Then they just make a decision based on, like, oh, I, like, sat with that person on the train. They seemed really cool, and they're in Pukwudgie. Like, I'll like Harry Pukwudgie. does? Yeah, pretty much. And then, like, you could get fucked by that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, now that we've had all this nice discussion <laughs> of the story that we were given... Um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about how Ilvermorny is, like, highly problematic and um, appropriative. I feel like this is important to talk about, and, like, I think the episode wouldn't be complete without it. So hopefully you've listened this long, (laughs) Uh, even though my voice is terrible. (laughs) So uh, basically all of the mascots that we see are figures in Native American folklore or mythology and Pukwudgies particularly um, when you like look at the depiction of them from like in the Ilvermoney crest and stuff um, it just like kind of looks like a very racist depiction. I think kind of anyone that's grown up in the U.S. Mm -hmm. like around the dialogue of um, depictions of indigenous peoples and like using them as mascots um for sports teams will like see that and kind of be a little alarmed i would hope you would be a little alarmed um and the other three mascots are also part of native american mythology uh so i guess i'll just go through those first so yeah palkwaji is part of wampanoag culture um and they are spirit-like creatures that are unfriendly to humans and lure them into the forest so Similar idea, um, but in J.K.'s story, um, they're described as kind of goblin-like, and William is described as curmudgeon which, 
like that is the personality that she gives him. Um, and that, that kind of seems to like reduce them to something just like similar to like the goblins that we hear of in England and Ireland and all of that. And it, they also become security guards for the school, which like you mentioned that they're paid, which is great, but it, it does seem a little weird that they're just like, they become like subservient to humans, even yeah. though like their whole point in mythology is that they are unfriendly to humans, but like, oh, this like Irish witch can come and like make them be friendly. Yeah. It's a little colonialist. The horned serpent um, in folklore is a symbol of wisdom and divination. JK keeps this, but also adds the like speaking in riddles part, which is um, a little like degrading, I think, or like it, yeah, like it, gimmicky. Gimmicky, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Um, Thunderbirds are symbols of strength and majesty, and they're barely like mentioned or explained in the story, even though they're actually very important in Native American culture, like the symbol of strength. And Wampus is a similar thing, like it's part of Native American folklore. It's a Cherokee myth about a woman who was transformed to be half cat, and so she was half cat, half human, and she represented death and the earth. And this is also just kind of dismissed and used for the name and the idea yeah. of like a cat-like creature. So it's just like the reduction of these um, creatures and taking away like a lot of their their meaning and importance in mythology in indigenous cultures. Um, and I think that, I don't think it was like malintentioned, but I mean, of course, nowadays we have a lot of problematic things about JK that we're like realizing. I do believe that like she was trying to uh, approach it similarly to maybe how she approached some takes on like English and British history with the Harry Potter books. Yeah. And like, I think that's an interesting and cool thing to do. Um, but she really missed the point here. And I wish she would have like, I wish, I feel like someone should have, she should have known that this was like not okay. Or like someone should have told her just because like, I feel I personally don't know how this happened because, like, appropriations of indigenous cultures are, like, I feel like that's just, like, such a, like, obvious bad thing to do yeah. that was, like, talked about. So I just I just don't know how it happened. The other problems with, like, the story and the founding story, um, Isolde Sayer is a white Irish person, i.e. a colonizer coming to North America um, and interacting and adopting, interacting with and adopting these creatures kind of as her own. Um, there's the implication that magical people in North America did not have the ability to organize themselves or learn magic or um, like have this sophisticated school before the white woman and her family did it for her for them. So like we hear that there are Native American witches and wizards, but it kind of sounds like they didn't organize themselves or really learn how to use their magic that much before. Well, they didn't use wands, did they? They, they didn't use wands because. Yeah. Isolt or Chadwick's is the first Native American wand, or first American made wand. Made wand, yeah. Which I we're like, I think I remember hearing about like J.K. has said that in is it in Africa they don't use wands? Oh yeah, I think so. Which then that also feels like it feels like it, she's saying that like people of color don't use wands. Like yeah, I don't know. It's very white savior complex. Yeah. Like, the white colonizer comes and 
How are you I think it's everything? like it's it's a fine line. I think because like if she had written this story and like totally didn't mention this like rich um, like folklore like involving like magic yeah. and um, I don't know like they like Native American culture like I don't know much about it like I don't want to come off like I'm an expert or no anything. yeah I but don't like either. they like I'm pretty sure that they have like a very rich like. I know they have a really rich history, but they have, like, a rich, like, folklore and rich, like, stories involving, like, magic and spirits and stuff. So, like, I think it would have been worse if she totally, like, discounted all of that. You know what I mean? Like, at least she's trying to, like, bring it in and, like, make it a part of the story and, like, a part of, like, the history of magic in North America. Because I think if she, like, had completely discounted it, it would have been, like, even worse, in my opinion. Um, but it's also like she wanted, she obviously wanted that connection with like Slytherin and the story she had already established. So it's like, that's kind of where like the assault sayer like storyline comes in. So like, I get like kind of like how we got here. And like, to be honest, I don't know, like besides kind of giving more credence to like these myths and folklore, like, I don't know what could have been better. You know what I mean? I mean, we do have to acknowledge it's a short story, so obviously she's not going to spend all this time developing this folklore, or, like, not developing because it's already there, but, like, weaving it in. Um, I think one of the things that I had read online that someone suggested is, like, even if maybe Isolt comes to America and then the person that she meets, instead of being another white colonizer, is Mm. a Native American wizard, and they form the school together, and that... Native American wizard teaches her about the creatures in the area and, like, the stuff that um, the the folklore and the stories surrounding them. Like, even that would be better. I just think that, like, without... I get get what you're saying, though. Like, I think it was well-intentioned. I think it was a big miss. Um, And I think it could have been worse because, obviously, she didn't just, like, say that... She didn't fully say that, like, history in the North... North America started when the white people came, but it was, like, the organized part started when yeah. the white people came. Yeah, Um. So it just, like, I would like to think that, like, if there were a novel, it would be more thought out. Yeah. I think that, like, making James a Native American would have helped a lot, but I feel like William was kind of supposed to be that role because, like, they talk about, like, how William teaches Isolde about, like, the right. Native, like, the creatures, um... Na- like that are native to North America because like obviously Isol wasn't from there so like I don't know it's just like it's very interesting because like obviously it's not great like I see the problems with it but like I feel like if you do anything with a culture especially with the Native American culture like and our history on it like I feel like she would have been picked apart kind of no matter what she did like do you, you yeah. know what I mean but like I, I'm not saying that's okay to like kind of like settle for this like I still think that there are problems with it but I feel like no matter what she did it would have not come off great yeah she it's like, kind of get, it's a dangerous line that she was walk walking yeah. along and I kind of just feel that it would it I don't know sometimes I feel that it would have been better if like this wasn't yeah even was like, like no need to, for it right right like we didn't ask I mean I guess people wanted this history but like the history of the school. Like, you could have just told us that there was a school in the U.S. Yeah, and, like, given us the houses. And given us the houses, which 
then people would have been like, well, why are they all Native American creatures? But I don't know, like, uh, I just think it makes me, like, dislike Ilvermorty more. Yeah. It's, I don't know, like, not only was, like, nobody asking for this, like, I feel like she kind of threw it because, like, I feel, I don't know if, like, she was pressured into this or, like, she thought she should... But, like, a lot of her fans are American fans. And I think yeah. maybe, like, there had been some... I don't, Like, I didn't hear any of this. But, like, maybe there had been some stuff, like, well, like, where would I go? Like, I don't... I wouldn't go to Hogwarts, obviously. Like, like you know, like, one of those things. Yeah. And, like, I feel like she was kind of, like, throwing us a bone with this. Yeah. And just, yeah. like... I mean, and, like, Ilvermorny does sound cool and really interesting. And, like, I would like to know more about it I mean we know about all of the founding but like I think it'd be really cool if like one of the Fantastic Beasts movies went there yeah. um and I think like that would probably make me gain more of an appreciation for Ilvermorny if it was more thought out and like say we just got some sort of like uh, more substantial information on it and it felt less gimmicky because I think the more I think about this the more I talk about it it just feels gimmicky with not necessarily the story but the the use of um native american folklore in it feels gimmicky and i think the biggest issue is that it's like jk just taking like the parts of it the surface level the words you know the basic ideas of the creature and and adapting them to her own like like yeah she kind of like like puts it in yeah like she puts it in where she wants to and not, but it's not yeah. fully in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, moving on, the last section we're going to talk about here is the Ilvermorny song. Um, so JK and Allison Sudol actually wrote this. So Allison Sudol is the actress that plays Queenie in the Fantastic Beast movie. And this was in a deleted scene. Um, I believe it's like um, Queenie sings it, which I'm pretty sure Allison Sudol is like an, a singer. Like, I think so, She yeah. likes, d- does music. Um <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't think of another word for sing. So, like, this happens when they're in Newt's suitcase. And, like, um, Queenie goes, like, Hogwarts, more like Hogwash. And then, like, I think she, like, starts singing this song because she's, like, talking about how Ovalmorny's better. Um, So it's, we stand as one united against the Puritan. We draw our inspiration from Good Witch Morgan. I think that against the Puritan is really interesting. <laughs> it's like, whoa. We went I there. I get that it comes from, like, when they were persecuted. I think yeah. that was the idea. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, we stand as one united against the Puritan. Like, okay. All right. <laughs> That's a whole other can of worms, but... Yeah. We're not going to get into that. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Are you concerned about the fact that your favorite Harry Potter characters go to a magic school that doesn't teach them practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? Did you go to a magic school that didn't teach you practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? 
If any of the above applies to you, you should check out our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, hosted by myself and my truly awesome co-host, Nicole. In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss the science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, and dissect whether it's good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. Often, we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science in their areas of expertise. We release new episodes every other Monday, and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious. So whether you're a practicing scientist or a wizard who just graduated high school with no practical life skills, we'd love for you to listen in. You can also find out more by going to our website, thatsnotscience.com, or by looking us up on Twitter, at TNHSWpod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled Potterheads, Katie and Audrey. Okay, for our pop quiz today, if you were to name a school, if you were, sorry, if you were to name a house at Ilverborny after a magical creature, what creature would you choose? Okay, so... When I wrote this question, I was like, are we both just going to say our favorite creature? But yeah. I don't think I am because I my favorite creature is a Thestral. And, like, I think that would be kind of a depressing mm. mascot. Yeah. Or also because, like, probably a lot of the people wouldn't be able to see the mascot. True. <laughs> um, and obviously a phoenix would be really cool, but I feel like that's the basic answer. I probably... I really like bow truckles, mm. and I think that would be, like, kind of a fun, like, it's not, like, a fearsome creature, which, like, yeah. all of the ones in Ilvermorny are, like, like, I read they're, like, 4X or 5X classification, yeah. and I think bow truckles are, like, not nearly that high. I think bow truckle would be a fun one. That would be. Um, so, like, my favorite creatures are pygmy puffs, and I just, like... I don't think that's a very good name, like pygmy, uh, and like, yeah. that's two words, so, like that's a whole other problem. Um, I don't know, like a dragon, unicorn, like I'm, I'm running out of animals, like I've... I have the book in front of me. Mm. Let me see. What else would be good? Centaurs? But they're, like, not really creatures. Like, they're beings, yeah, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like like that would be, like, choosing a house elf as a mascot. Like, I don't know how that... That might be another... Acromantulas. Oh, God, no. And that name's way too long. Like, it has to be a good name, too, you know? What about Augury? Yeah, like, Bowtruckle's a good name. Yeah. Augury? Those are cool. Um... Some of these I've never even heard of. Yeah. guys, invisibility. guys would be cool. What did you say? A pixie. Ooh, yeah. I could. I so we're I choosing like that. the little, the little yeah. creatures. A Cornish pixie. Freshly caught Cornish pixie. Flobber room. Oh God. Oh, I'm actually gonna um, change my answer to blasted scroot. Oh yeah. Ooh, a hippogriff, Ooh, a hippogriff would be so good. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I might have to choose Hippogriff. That would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Or a Kelpie would be cool. That would be. I want to know more about them. They're pretty cool. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Interesting thought exercise. Yeah. So make sure you subscribe 
to us and download our episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow as a pod. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wizard Studies Podcast and Twitter as Wizard Studies. Or you can email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. Mm-hmm.